Hello and welcome to Where the Rubber Meets the Road podcast by Safe Ride for Kids. You know, driving is the most dangerous activity that we do every day, but we recognize that your family has places to be and things to do. Safe Ride for Kids, we help you arrive safely by equipping you with innovative products and unbiased information from our team of certified safety experts. I'm Greg DeRocher. Today I'm the co-founder and CEO at Safe Ride for Kids. But actually, my first career was as a firefighter paramedic, where I got to see the firsthand devastation that car crashes can have. And uh, that's actually where I got started in doing injury prevention education. In 2000, I got started as a certified child passenger safety technician because I realized that a child's safety in the car is largely dependent upon the parent's choices. And I've been an instructor of the car seat curriculum certifying technicians since 2001. I am Amy DeRocher, co-founder and creative director at Safe Ride for Kids. I became a child passenger uh, safety technician back in 2004. I write most of the content for our website and I am a mother of three. Today we will be talking about tips for driving during pregnancy. Awesome. This is a really important topic um, that really is, is unaddressed or under-addressed, we'll say, by the mainstream uh, education safety uh, systems that are in place, be that you know the, the safety experts or the government. There's not a lot of focus put on safe driving while pregnant. Um, there's information out there and available, but um, you know, what, is, why, what are some of the statistics that we've uncovered at Safe Ride for Kids uh, to really underscore the importance of this topic. Well, we talked about some statistics during our last podcast, but just to briefly over uh, review them, we estimate about 3,000 pregnancies are lost every year because of car crashes. Now, that number comes from an average from a variety of studies that we've um, looked at. Um, some studies say a few hundred, some studies say up to 5,000, and there's no real way of tracking it and to get a real number. So we use an estimated 3,000 as kind of an average of what mm -hmm. the studies show, um, which is a huge number considering that children zero to four, um, there's what, 600? Yeah, I think it's around 400 uh, yeah. annually that die in car crashes from birth to four years. So over the four year, a four year lifespan range, um, you know, we're losing, you know, around 400 children a year um, in car crashes. So this 3,000, you know, I mean, and then think about the amount of uh, focus and, and attention and products uh, variety that's on the market to help keep these uh, kids safe in the car. And during this, you know, nine-month period of pregnancy, on average, there's, you know, an estimated 3,000 pregnancies lost every year uh, from car crashes, and that is specific to car crashes. Um, you know, another statistic that I think is important is that uh, one study was looking at uh, the number of women that remember their healthcare provider, be that their OB or their midwife, actually talking to them about how to be safer during pregnancy. Um, so, you know, only about a quarter of women remembered the conversation with their with their healthcare provider. 
Well, it's even more than that. Only um, the study also showed that only about forty-eight percent of the healthcare providers even talked about it. So, of that, nearly half, only a quarter of those right. remember having the conversation. So, um, pregnancy brain is a thing. <laughs> and um, another another thing that a lot of people um, haven't really talked about is just the changes in our society. You know, say in the last. 60 years, you know, back in the sixties and seventies, pregnant women, um, may not have spent as much time in the car as they do today. Today, um, well, oftentimes back then the family only had one car. Man was driving it to work. Um, most women, sorry, women were stay at home moms. Um, I'd kind of like to have that by choice right now, but, (laughs) um, but that's how it was then, and they weren't driving as much as they are now. And now women are driving to work every day. They're driving through their entire pregnancy. They're driving little other kids around. They're, they're driving, driving, driving. And what that means is that the risk exposure is significantly higher today than it used to be, but the technology in the car hasn't changed at all in the last 60, 75 years. So that means that the best practice recommendation is the same as it was back then, and that is to wear your seatbelt, obviously, wear your seatbelt. I want to emphasize that, wear your seatbelt. Um, so, and wear it correctly, and that means, according to NHTSA, under your pregnancy, if you can get it there, I never could, without having to actually lift my belly up off my legs, um, which then would just drive the seatbelt, you know, kind of into my skin. That was uncomfortable too. Um, so anyway, as low as possible, Nissa says, under your pregnancy, and then have the shoulder portion, um, mid-chest, mid-shoulder, so basically be- between going between your breasts. So when, the, when NHTSA's, uh, which stands for the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, when NHTSA talks about getting the seatbelt under your belly, under the pregnancy, um, what they're actually trying to do is get it as close to the hip bones as possible. Because in a car crash, that seatbelt is engineered, is designed, is intended to restrain the adult occupant by engaging the two left and right hip bone. Now, when a woman is pregnant, the pregnancy, the abdomen that's now being extended, um, out to the front can potentially be holding that seatbelt away from the hip bones. And what's going to happen in a crash is the occupant is going to be flying forward. And we use forward because the most common type of car crash is a forward impact. So um, that occupant is going to be traveling forward until that seatbelt engages with their hip bones. And any soft tissue that's uh, between the seatbelt and the hip bones is either going to be displaced or compressed. And unfortunately, um, when a woman is pregnant, it's her baby that, that is potentially at risk down there. So that's why NHTSA recommends getting that seatbelt under the pregnancy uh, because that's an attempt to get that seatbelt closer or as close as possible to the hip bones. So what are some other things that she can do to improve um, the, the 
the safety of driving while she's pregnant? Um, well, as you all know, um, if, especially if you're into your pregnancy, during some parts of your pregnancy, you're probably not going to feel very well. Uh, there's morning sickness, there's just exhaustion, um, lots of uncomfortable feelings. So before you even drive, gauge how you feel. Is it something, you know, if, it, if it's an errand that can be put off, wait until you feel better. If someone else can drive you, have someone else drive you. Basically, if you're feeling sick or tired or just not quite comfortable in your body, see if you can put off that task. Um, cut down distractions. Obviously, this is something everyone should do. Um, not be looking at the phone, not be putting on your makeup, not be eating breakfast, drinking your coffee. It's all distractions. So put everything else aside and just focus on your driving. Um, if you're driving for a long time, plan frequent breaks. So you want to get out of the car and stretch and walk and probably go to the bathroom. Um, just keep your blood moving and help you feel better and kind of stretch your body. Um, but in the car, what you want to do is, well, one, be a passenger if you can, because that takes out the steering wheel of the equation. Now, the seatbelt is meant to hold you into your seat so you don't actually come in contact with the steering wheel, but it's still there, and as your belly gets bigger, it gets closer. <laughs> um, so be a passenger when you can. Um, position your seat as far back from the steering wheel as you can while it's still being able to reach. I know this is hard for some of us to be able to reach and have your um, have the steering wheel about 10 inches from your breastbone. That's kind of asking a lot for some of us. Um, also tilt the steering wheel because we don't want that airbag coming out right at the pregnancy. So you want to tilt that towards your chest. So, you know, <clears throat> a lot of cars today, um, you know, back when, when many of us were kids, uh, steering wheels were a fixed thing and they were not adjustable. But, you know, for the last few decades, uh, auto manufacturers have been making the steering wheel adjustable up and right up and down and actually some of them in and out so um, maybe dig into your owner's manual uh, for the vehicle and see uh, what adjustments on the steering wheel itself are available now uh, bringing up the airbag in the steering wheel that also brings up the airbag in the passenger seat so again we don't want that airbag coming straight out at your pregnancy it comes out very fast very hard um, it's a good punch and so we want you to be in the passenger seat. If you're in the passenger seat, be as far back as you can so that if you do come in contact with the airbag, it's after it's already Inflated. expanded. Mm -hmm. So, and then that kind of comes from, um, well, it comes from the safety community, from the auto manufacturers themselves to, to move away from that airbag. Um, but when we when we're talking about children in car seats and airbags, <clears throat> we talk about that injuries don't come from an occupant uh, coming in contact with a fully inflated airbag. The injuries come from being in the deployment zone as the airbag is expanding at two to four hundred miles an hour. Um, so the same goes for your pregnancy. We don't want your pregnancy uh, up in that deployment zone of the airbag as it's inflating um, if your body is thrust forward and comes in contact with the fully inflated airbag after it's been deployed that's actually going to be fine that's the way it's intended to work 
but the problem is, is that your body is changing and can potentially be extending out into the deployment zone uh, as that airbag is inflating at a very high rate of speed. So again, um, we want to emphasize buckling up. Definitely want to buckle up. Um, buckle up as closely as you can to their recommended um, style under the belly as low as possible and shoulder, mid-chest, mid-shoulder. And the other thing that we recommend is also using a crash-tested pregnancy seatbelt adjuster. Um, the only one on the market is one that we carry, and that's the tummy shield. So what the tummy shield actually does is, if you think about your pregnancy and the seatbelt, um, the part of the seatbelt that we're most concerned about is actually the, the, the lap portion, the part that's going across your hips. And the reason that that is the most concerning part of the seatbelt is that that's the part that can compress um, onto or into the pregnancy uh, and potentially injure the developing baby. So what we with the tummy shield does is it actually creates an anchor point between your legs, and you take the lap portion of the seatbelt and slip it into this uh, highly reinforced anchor point that's down between your legs. And it essentially turns the lap belt into a leg harness. And the crash testing that's been done on the tummy shield demonstrates that it's, um, even though we're redirecting it and we're restraining the mother by the legs, we're still effectively uh, restraining the adult occupant. With And by removing the seatbelt from going um, horizontally uh, between the hip bones and actually going down between the legs, we're, we're removing the seatbelt or the lap portion of the seatbelt from negatively impacting the developing baby in the pregnancy. Amy mentioned crash tested. So there are, if you go on to uh, you know, e-commerce websites you know, like Amazon, and search seatbelt for pregnant women or seatbelt, something like that, you're going to get in a huge list of products to look at. Yeah, more and more coming all the time. And more and more coming all the time. Now, here's the issue. There are no federal safety regulations for this category of product. So for children's car seats, they're a regulated product, meaning that there are safety standards, testing protocols that every car seat manufacturer has to meet before that product can be legally sold in the United States. For products um, like... Just pause one second there. Yeah. So even though there are standards that car seats have to meet to be legally sold in the United States, there are illegal car seats being sold here from um, countries, uh, from companies outside of this country. And... Right now, uh, the laws are such that the retail stores um, are probably not liable if they're selling, if a third party is selling illegal products on their website. Um, that's as of today, and hopefully that'll be changing. But um, the issue with these other products is they can legally be sold because there are no standards. So the pregnancy, products. the pregnancy products. So 
it's up to the consumer to do their homework on how the products have been tested. What if they've been tested. if they've been tested, and and it's our assertion that most of them have not been tested. Um, our company invested a bunch of time and money into hiring a biomechanical engineer who um, designed a crash test matrix, oop, a, gra- a crash test matrix of, of uh, various types of car crashes um, and oversaw all those crash tests at a certified crash test lab before we even started selling the tummy shield. So we went above and beyond all of the testing that the manufacturer had done prior to even bringing the product to market. We had to, we wanted to make sure that we were selling a product that we could put our, uh, you know, our pillows, our heads on our pillows at night and rest uh, with total confidence that our customers were being safe using the tummy shield. Um, now, the wonderful thing about all these products being um, sold is that uh, this is making it more apparent that it is a issue that has to be dealt with. Unfortunately, um, innovations come before regulations. So, <laughs> And it's always been that way. You know, think about any product that's regulated by the government. Um, odds are that it was on the market, being sold or in the marketplace before um, it was identified that there was a problem that required government regulation. Yeah, seatbelts were in the cars before they were regulated by safety organization. Car seats were starting to be made, bef- what, 16 years, I think, before there are any regulations for car seats. So innovation that happens before regulation. Um, the challenge is you have to do your homework now to make sure that the product is made with adequate materials that will withstand crash forces and, and that's not plastic or fabric or Velcro. The other thing is that um, looking at the crash dynamics is important because a lot of these products will actually move, move the seatbelt anchor point. So the tummy shield keeps that anchor point very close to the occupant. A lot of these other products move that anchor point way out in front to the front of the to seat. the front edge of the seat. So what's going to happen is an occupant is going to f- slide forward until they hit the seatbelt. Then that product is likely to fail, which will now introduce even more, you know, six, eight, ten inches more seatbelt into the system. So you're you, the occupant, are going to continue to fly forward, um, and it's going to do all kinds of bad things uh, to you and the baby. Um, with the tummy shield, it's actually a stainless steel plate that is inside of the product. Uh, when you look at it, it looks just like a foam, uh, a foam fabric cushion that you're sitting on. But what's inside is about eight pounds of stainless steel plate. And it's that stainless steel plate that's holding the seatbelt in place on your legs, which are the your femurs are the strongest bones in the body. So uh, using the tummy shield, we're still achieving all of the, the crash protection principles of keeping the occupant in the car, contacting the strongest points of the body, and spreading crash forces out over an increased surface area. All of those things are intended to 
reduced injury. And um, those are the principles that all restraints, whether it's for kids or adults, are based on. So you might be asking why your doctor hasn't talked to you about this. And um, quite likely, they don't know about it. We've been reaching out um, and sending information to doctors um, slowly. It's an expensive and drawn out process. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, so every every month we hit another thousand or so. Um, There's 55,000 OBs and midwives in the United States. So we have a big education project on our hands. So if you are so inclined to help, feel free to reach out. <laughs> we do have a report written about the tummy shield and the crash testing that has it has undergone so that you can share that with your doctor. Um, you can download that from our website. If you don't find it, let me know. Um, send us an email contact and I'll send you the link. Um, you know, but you bring something up there that um, doctors are not, they don't have the time to be experts on everything. Right. They have to be an expert to get your baby out. They have to be an expert on you and your the medical part of, the, of their practice. So they don't, it's not their job to be an expert on car crashes and safety in the car. Um, and we have run into scenarios where they'll recommend against the use of the tummy shield just because they don't know about it. They don't know They've never heard about it. It's something new. NHTSA never said it. It's not part of NHTSA's recommendation. Right. So um, at some point, we do need your help to educate them and inform them that there is more information available. And we've done our best to make that available by consolidating all the studies onto one page on the website so they can go do their own research if they need to. Uh, We... I've educated on uh, on the tummy shield itself. Um, now he said that um, some doctors have recommended against using the tummy shield. We also have several doctors across the U.S. that um, do recommend using the tummy shield and actually keep our um, they, safe driving guide in their office and hand out pamphlets in their office. And they so. are proactively um, informing their patients about the tummy shield and how to drive safer. So yeah, it's a growing uh, movement and we're excited to have you on the journey with us. So um, it sounds like we've covered why other uh, products on the market aren't, uh, would not be recommended and why the tummy shield is. So let's move right into our safety tip of the week. All right. Our safety tip this week is to wear your seatbelt and with the tummy shield. So wear your seatbelt, use a tummy shield, and get the best protection for you and your baby while you're driving. Plus, moms, the tummy shield makes it more comfortable. I actually had one woman. um, She was late in her pregnancy. I think she was about eight months pregnant. And uh, I shared a tummy shield with her, and and she put put the tummy shield in the car, got in the car, put on the seatbelt, and literally almost started crying because it was so much more comfortable. <laughs> oh, and you might be asking um, when you should start using the tummy shield. And uh, we recommend when you start shopping for maternity clothes. That's about when the pregnancy comes out of the protection of the pelvic area. Yep. Now for our parenting tip of the week, because we love helping you be the best parents you can be. Um, 
this is about us, us as parents. <laughs> um, and taking responsibility for our feelings and not putting those on our kids. So whether it's feeling happy or sad or angry or joyful, um, let's let our kids off the hook about making, uh, putting it on them to make us feel certain ways. Uh, an example of that um, might be when we, even just using our words, say things like, oh, you make me happy when, or it makes me angry when, or it makes me frustrated when. Or you won't hug me. Oh, that makes me so sad. Right. So that's putting the responsibility for our feelings on our children's behavior. So what would be some ways to turn that around and just not put it on them, even with our language? An example might sound something like, I'm so proud of you, or... I love it when you do that, but it's not making them responsible for the emotion. Um, meaning that your feelings are not dependent upon their behavior, although we can acknowledge that they're, that we do feel a certain way. Well, I think it's important too because this also teaches them that they're responsible for their own feelings. So what another child does to them doesn't have to make them feel a certain way. If they're being bullied, they don't have to feel sad about that. And bullies not making them feel sad. They can choose to feel sad, but it's their choice. And I think that's the, the biggest underlying uh, thing that we're talking about here is um, taking 100% responsibility for how we feel uh, regardless of how other people treat us or regardless of how other people's choices or decisions. Um, for instance, our daughter has been bullied in school before and um, she just doesn't even take it on. She says, I ignore them and I, I don't have any feelings about it whatsoever because I know it's not true, whatever they're saying. No, so, all right. Thanks for joining us this week for the Where the Rubber Meets the Road by Safe Ride for Kids. Make it a great week, and we'll see you next time. Drive safe.